It's Song Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Song Talk Radio, the show for songwriting nerds or those who worry about rhyme schemes. Send all your worries and comments to feedback at songtalk.ca. I'm Phil Emery, and with me today is the occasional Song Talk Radio co-host and co-host of the Song Talk Radio meetups that take place both in Toronto and online via Zoom, a fine songwriter and a very fine vocalist, Sherry Jacoby. How are you doing today, Sherry? Good. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> Always great to have you back on the show. And tonight, our guest is singer-songwriter Governor Tom. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> Here are a couple of bits of news before we get started into the main show. Uh, we are still accepting entries into our Songwriting Challenge 2023, um, and that challenge is to write a song in a mode you are unfamiliar with. Now, technically, major and minor are, are modes, but, uh, you know, let's try something a bit more exotic out there. Uh, you can get some more information um, on the challenge at our site uh, at Songtalk. .ca, and there's a link at the top of the page uh, for more information on the challenge and even some resources. Uh, really good, some uh, videos on explaining uh, about uh, modes. Uh, Tom, are you much of a modes person? I know it's still kind of a new yeah. thing for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I understand modes. I have a basic understanding of the concept of modes, and, you know, I like modes. I like modes a lot. Um, I don't I'm not a, I, I'm, I don't really, I don't have the theory brain to, you know, to fully, you know, just utilize them at the tip, you know, at the drop of a hat. Um, my son has been playing guitar for about seven years and he's, we had a conversation one day where he said, you know, he, it's important for him to like know how everything is put together and how everything works. So he has really, he's really studied that and gotten deep into that. And he's, um, he understands modes and he's even like created this little sort of app that, 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 uh, it, it, in the end, we'll sort of recognize modes, but he's got it all in there. And I'm, I'm actually kind of just the opposite. I just, if I'm playing in a mode, it's by instinct and by feel <laughs> as opposed to by design. Right. Does, has he published that app? That sounds amazing. I could actually use no, that. No, no, he's, it is. I know, right? I'm so happy for him. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know where it's at right now. He showed it to me a few months ago, but I was very impressed there then. And I, I don't know where it's at right now. Because <laughs> I'm actually working on a song that I think might be in a mode. But I'm not sure. One song I thought was in mode was actually just in minor. So I, just, I think might be in a mode, but I don't really know. So tell him to finish off that uh, that app. He could make hundreds of dollars. He may. He may very well. There's some apps I use religiously on, you know, to help me out. I, I tend to, when I write, I tend to write by feel. I write, um, you know, a melody. It's not necessarily the final melody, but a melody will come with some words, um, or maybe I'll start with some chord progressions. And then as the melody develops, I'll just find, I'll just feel my way into the chords. I don't really, I, I I'm not kind of like a label type brain. I don't. Right. Um, and so I'll, um, so it's, it's, it's often, very often, embarrassingly often that then I'll take those songs and I'll go out and I'll sing them in public and I'll find what key works best for performance. And then I'll know what, and then I'll sit down with my app, with my reverse chord finder, and I'll finally know <laughs> what my chords are and what song I'm singing in. And then I'll write them down so I can share it with other musicians. And honestly, that is my process. That's a good process. How about you, Sherry? Are you much of a modes person? I'm not. No, I have a lot more to learn than that, I think. So I'm also much more by feeling um, my vocal melody, often being accompanied by pretty simple chord progressions. So 
yeah, I definitely want to dive more into that. I also, I had the experience of trying to put my music into sheet music, um, like, and that, that was so difficult trying to figure out the rhythms of what I'm actually singing. And yeah, so it's, it's really like a backwards process sometimes. I think you can be much more in, instinctive and yeah, intuitive yeah. than theoretical. Yeah. That is me. And uh, we are all, of course, saddened by the death of guitarist and songwriter for the band, as well of a, as a great solo artist, uh, Robbie Robertson, at the age of 80. Seems so young in so many ways. Um, he was a high school dropout, um, had a one-man melting pot, part Jewish, part Mohawk, and part Cayuga. Um, mm. And, of course, uh, the band backed people like Bob Dylan and others and was a huge part of the rock explosion of the late 60s and the 70s. Uh, sure, are you much of a Robbie Robertson fan? Um, not yet, but I will I will take a listen more. Yeah, I have some catching up to do with the, the older classical. <laughs> and how about you, Tom? Yep, definitely. Uh, listened to the band my whole life. Um, I saw, I'm blanking on his name, as I said, I'm really bad with names, but the lead singer for the band, I saw him uh, tour before... Um, before Queen found um, Adam, uh, Adam, terrible names. Um, they did a tour with uh, with the lead singer of the band. In, in, oh, Levon Helm? No, no, no. Who was it? Uh, maybe was I have it, it wrong. Levon Helm, and then there was uh, Robbie Robertson and some other people. I must admit, I'm not yeah. familiar with. Already, I must have it wrong. <laughs> Well, definitely, um, you know, you can listen to any of the stuff of the band and some classic songs and uh, huge hits. And if you uh, were around in the 70s, you heard the band many, many times because they had many, many hits. All right. Now on to our guest, Governor Tom. He is a singer-songwriter uh, whose indie style blends folk, blues, and jazz with pathos and humor. Great to have you on the show, Tom. Thank uh, you. So now it seems uh, like a lot of your music is very lyric-driven. So is it safe to assume that you're a lyrics-first writer? Uh, in most instances, yeah. You know, it's funny, Sherry, you mentioned, you know, using pretty simple chords and kind of feeling your way into the music. And I find that, you know, those sometimes I'll find a chord progression that I get so excited about and it's really complex and it'll switch up and switch back. And then I'll write, you know, I'll write, a, I'll write lyrics for it and write on top of it. And then... At the end of the day, it's just not that great. I mean, it's it, or it's it's fine, but it doesn't really oftentimes really compare to those songs that literally play the same, you know, three or four chords just over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, I definitely um, I'm definitely a lyrics first kind of guy. Uh, and then I found I found it. I, uh, I'll, I'll I'll definitely it'll be lyrics and it'll be like some version of the melody, and then I'll find the chords. And then I'll do, and then I'll figure out the rhythms and then I'll write some, you know, musical motifs that are in my head and I'll usually write the bass line and then I'll write, um, you know, some of the accents for either horn or keys. And then I'll come back to the melody and once I sort of know where all those other parts are fitting in, then I will start to really get into the melody, which is always hard because, you know, then you've got that initial version of the melody kind of locked into your brain and um, it takes time. It really takes time to reprogram that, but I think um, uh, I think it's worth it. Um, just little things, like on the, on the song that we're going to play today on Public Eye, we're going to hear uh, we're going to hear a line that says, um, um, "If the truth be told, the truth is sold as mystery." 
And so, and then the melody goes up and down. It's like, if the truth be told, the truth is sold as mystery. And when I originally wrote it, I, that was not the melodic line, but, you know, in, in coming to the final version of the melody, it was important to really know, you know, as I was an actor once upon a time, and so I go back to my Shakespeare analysis days and, you know, and what words to stress and what, which to, you know, um, oh. uh, to subordinate. So in that instance, you have, um, you know, if the truth be told the truth, we've already heard truth. So we, we already know that we're talking about truth. So the second time around, that can be the low note as opposed to, if the truth be told the truth, we've already heard truth. So if the truth be told the truth is sold, and then you hear sold. But if you go up again on that second truth, you're gonna, you're, then sold is not going to deliver as much. So if the truth be told the truth is sold as, so you get the sold, whereas if the truth be told the truth is sold as, then it just kind of becomes this kind of skippy thing. And soul doesn't really land. And it's a super subtle thing. And maybe I'm just fooling myself. I often do. But um, I think those kind of really intricate uh, analyses and, 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 and um, you know, digging into the, mel the melody line ultimately, you know, pays off because, because people, you know, people, you know, it takes people a while to really, really lock into lyrics. It's like you hear the music, you hear the rhythm. And then eventually you kind of like, you know, you kind of get the melody. And then, I mean, there's some songs now where, you know, 40 years later, I'm still just figuring out what they're actually singing. <laughs> I, think we, we, I think we all do that. Oh, yeah. degree. And you find out that yeah. what you thought they were singing was wrong. That's what I love. Yep. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> I know. Like, hysterically wrong. Yeah, you're going, so, that's um, a crappy yeah. line. Why are they singing that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I do, I really try to put the work in so that it makes, it just so that it just, you know, it, it kind of helps the listener to get a better um, intake of the words and thus, and thus the story um, on, you know, just by um, refining those melodies that way. That's part of my process. That's what the show's about. So here I am yeah. talking about. Yeah, no, it's a really cool approach. <laughs> when you're describing how each part fits together, it's, it's almost like a puzzle. That's how I find it, right? You get like a little clue of what the song should be and then, put it all together and then you might need to come back to that first piece if it doesn't fit again with the pieces you added later. So it's a cool way to look at it. It is. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, and then I, and then like even on public eye, I found that um, I got into a space where I got into a headspace when I was actually recording, when I finally said, okay, enough, you know, enough scratch tracks with the lyrics, I'm going to commit. And, you know, I got, got into the booth and, uh, and then you have to just let all that go and you have to just sing the song. And, um, and sometimes all those really intricate lyric changes are right there serving you. And sometimes you blow it. Sometimes you're like, oh, you know, I missed that one. But then you just have to trust. And you just have to trust that the connection to the delivery of the material at that point is more important than those intricacies. So it, it evolves then even an additional layer in that final um, recorded performance, I find. Can you um, can you talk about, uh, you mentioned something about um, as an actor and you you were doing your, the. Uh your word work. Can you explain that to the listeners? Because no one's actually talked about that on the show. That's really fascinating. Well, it, it, you know, it really is. And, um, you know, I did a lot of uh, Shakespeare. And I did more Moliere. I just seemed to be cast more in a lot of Moliere. But he, you know, and again, he wrote in French. So a, a lot of the stuff that, that I had performed and that's, you know, available for um, English-speaking actors has been translated, of course. But it's very, it's very rhythmic. It's I am there's you know iambic pentameter, and you know we're all familiar with Shakespeare's sonnets and how you know there's fourteen basically fourteen beats or four, there's fourteen lines, and then the you know 
um, iambic. It's just like the word I am. It's like da 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 da. You know, I mean, I can't remember the other word. It's been too long, but it just is the opposite. Da 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 da. Um, but you know, in Shakespeare, it's such a, it's almost like speaking a foreign language. So as an actor, you kind of, you almost have to map out, um, which words to stress because our, my brain, and I think most modern brains, you just don't, you don't have that organic intrinsic of the time connection to the language and the rhythms. So you have to, you have to, um, really know which which words to stress um and uh otherwise otherwise the rhythm takes over and then the audience goes to sleep because it just becomes mm. this sort of rhythmic thing so you know and shakespeare was very clever it's like and so is moliere it's like you have to work in those rhythms so that you know it's like they they write you know they were brilliant brilliant men and um so and you know, and as, you know, so there's there's like there's observing the form, and then there's um, subjugating the form, and then there's attacking the form. And I think great writers do all of the above. And so sometimes when you find a real meaning in a piece of writing like that, you know, it's not necessarily in exactly the rhythm. You know, you have to, and and it's intentional because it's like the writer will break that rhythm because that verb or that, you know, noun something is what really needs to be stressed. And so it, again, mm. like Sherry said, it's a puzzle and that's a puzzle too. Writing is a puzzle. I always say writing is creating a puzzle. And, um, and when I was an actor, um, you know, I would say acting is solving a puzzle. And I think in music, it's the same. I think writing music is you're, you're kind of creating a puzzle for at least for the other musicians. Cause when you hand them those, you know, the, the, the sheet music and stuff, you've got a tempo and you've got some black dots and some words and then the rest is up for interpretation. So you really, you know, it is kind of about solving, solving that puzzle. And I think, I think it's for me anyway, well, it depends. I mean, I, I'm sure for, I mean, I've worked with some amazing instrumentalists and I think they probably think similarly, maybe not so much in terms of language, but in terms of, you know, the language of the music and the stress and the, it's just the, and the tone and changing tones and changing stress and changing, you know, mm. portamentos and like dropping off or rounding up at the end of phrases. I think, you know, that's, that's a form of interpretation. And, you know, one of my favorite composers is, is Debussy because you can listen to his work, you know, performed by six different orchestras and they'll all sound different because that composer had a different feel for the music and every musician playing had a different feel for it. Whereas, you know, you play, you know, some music is, I mean, I guess all music is up for interpretation, but but some more so than than others. Would you um, do the uh, same word work on modern uh, texts as an actor, or I mean, similarly, like uh, well, I, if, if necessary, you know, if it's really a complex text, um, but it's uh, yeah, I mean, but no, I mean, generally. You know, it's it's funny. I mean, acting is a wide, 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 mm. you know, like in film. I mean, in film, you know, some of the most successful actors just basically just mumble their lines. And they, they don't really project very much at all. Yes. It's really like all you get. Yeah. And you're not get, you're not getting much more, you know, m melody than a, than a modern rap song, you know, in a lot of modern film acting. And it works because, you know, everything's amplified and your face is just big on a screen. And, you know, if you were, you know going full out vocally, then it would kind of impair, mm. I think, in a lot of ways. Um, 
So to answer your question, um, I, I, I think that I think you do have to do uh, I think you do have to do a lot of that that same work, um, but it's just much more subtle, and I think it's just much more. It's it, I think in that regard, it's really it's really about finding what's going to open the door for you as a living, breathing um, vessel of interpretation for that writing, whatever's going to open that door for you to enter, you know, that reality that the writer created. And then beyond that, it's just, if, if you're connected, then it's, you know, then it's, it's truth and truth trumps everything, you know, so it, it trumps all the technique and, and, and everything else. But it can be a useful tool. I just don't think to answer your question. No, I don't think it's as necessary in modern writing as it is in, because again, it's just, it's, we just, I just think a different part of our brain kicks in. It's almost like another language when you hear, you know, more older verbiage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book right now. I just, I bought a bunch of Pulitzer uh, prize novels just because I was sort of starved for fiction and I'm reading uh, so big by Edna Ferber right now. And, you know, just in that, it's like, you know, and, um, and I just finished Nickel Boys, which was written a few years ago. So, you know, the difference from that to Edna Ferber and just, just the rhythm of the language and the word use and the, and, and, the, and, the, and it all has such subtle meaning. And, you know, I know as I'm reading this, this Ferber novel that I'm missing, I know that there's this, like, you know, just the way the words are put together, there's sort of, you know, winks and, you know, get it, get it moments that as a modern, you know, a modern you know, thinking in a modern vernacular and uh, um, just not as much in tune with, you got to kind of slow it down and then hope for the best. So when you, so as a performer, if you do approach older writing like that, you have to, you have to, you have to consider that. Whereas contemporary writing, it's, you know, you could probably get by without really even putting much thought into it. Fascinating stuff. Well, um, yeah, sorry, Jake, uh, Sherry. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating to, to apply it. I really think, yeah, we're talking about like bringing the words to life on different levels, right? We have the way that we speak or vocalize it, and then music adds another layer. And yeah, it's just, it's so cool to to think of how the same lyrics, the same song can be interpreted in so many ways. Um, it's, no, go, uh, go ahead, it's true. I mean, like cover songs, I, you know, I, I, I try to shy away from covers because it's so hard. It's so hard to think, to sing, you know, something that, you know, that's, so locked into people's heads, you know, some other way. I think Diana Krall is probably one of the modern masters of singing oh, covers. Yeah. She's so, so available to making it her own. And um, I think she, you know, I think partly that's because she accompanies herself and she's able to, you know, it's not like if she were not accompanying herself, she would probably have to, you know, she would be feeling whatever that pure truth of inspiration and her interpretation of that lyric was, but then she'd be dealing with another mind interpreting the music. And I think the fact that she can, find her way, um, you know, on the keys and vocally at the same time allows her to really, I'm always blown away by her covers. Yeah, that is great stuff. We, there's actually a great resource on the Song Talk site. Uh, uh, Janice Ho, who was our um, multimedia person uh, back, way back when we used to do a live radio show, we had uh, someone tweeting uh, during the show. Uh, she wrote a great um, article on... Uh, Basically, writing down your lyrics and then doing, I think, an emotional map of uh, the lyrics, cool. and that would kind of guide you in your vocal delivery. And it was great because I'm a music first and lyrics absolutely last writer, so 
all my songs are it's bad 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 tender goblin dude all the way through <laughs> until basically at the very end and then i read lyrics so it, it was interesting looking at um, a song from that and that was a a brilliant thing and something i should maybe think about a bit more about looking at the words a bit more and thinking about stresses more as opposed to just doing them when you write like that, Phil, I'm curious, do you, is that, are you doing that solo or are you actually sort of, you know, you have you got, you know, some rhythm and a couple of players with you while you're bop, bop, buying and figuring out your song or is that more of a solo activity? Um, well, um, I usually wrote in bands and I would right. basically always start off with just kind of dab a dab because it takes me, for, I'm a very slow uh, lyric writer, um, like really slow. Um, so, um, that was sort of the only way I could actually get the songs moving. And mm -hmm. I continue that um, as I work on my own. And, you know, now I just do stuff in the uh, in my studio. And, um, you know, with the, with the magic of computers, you can get pretty close to a band. Not quite the same. Certainly not as much fun. But uh, yeah, that's for sure. No, that's for sure. Let's talk about Public Eye. So what's uh, what was the process for this song? You know, I think it just, it, it, it started with just a couple of really, uh, I think I saw, you know, there's that, there's that F shape where the, where the, where the, where the six string is open. And, um, I was like, and I was just saw a lot of guitar players playing that chord and I was like, what's that chord? So I played it and I was like, God, that's a beautiful chord. I couldn't even tell you what it is right now. Somebody could, maybe you can, but, um, and then I was like, okay, so what, you know, what, what, what goes with that chord? And I felt around a little bit and then, and I moved up to E minor. So that one, I, that one I figured out, but, um, and then I just was playing those back and forth and I was like, God, that's, that's beautiful. And I, and I developed this drumming pattern and, um, and I, I wish I could say how, what the inspiration was for that. I mean, I know, I know what the song's about, but I mean, why I wrote that, why I wrote a song about, you know, a young starlet who, is um it, it just, it's a big it, the, the message of the song is it's big it's about the girl but it's also about society and it's about the relation of society and the girl and you know and what's what stardom means it's so it can be so random and it can be so lucky or unlucky mm. and so to see a, a human personality have to deal with that sometimes on such a huge level and you, you, you know, you add to that equation, you know, the youth, and then you add on top of that, the, you know, the expectations of being a woman and what that means for our society in terms of a product. And then you add all that together. And then you have the added element of, I mean, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I think, you know, I think, I think we need stars. I think, you know, it's interesting, like the, you know, these Royal families that have traditions, it's like, there's, almost like this human need for, for, uh, for what not, I'm not say role model, but just, it, it, there's almost like a need for somebody to be in the spotlight. It's like, if no one was in the spotlight, then I don't know what we, we it just seems like, you know, I just seem, it, it seems like somehow as a human need. And so this song public eye also just talks about how that need can be, you know, exploited and what the effects of those, that exploitation can have on a very young person. And, uh, so that's what, that's all that came up by listening to those beautiful chords. I, there was something so bittersweet and something so, 
kind of sentimental and raw about those chords. Again, you know, Sherry, as we said at the beginning, it's like I really approach composing from a entirely from a feeling base. And then the whatever, you know, and then the words kind of, you know, come on top of that most of the time. Hmm. Yeah. All right. that, that's cool. You mentioned bittersweet for the chords because that's also the feeling I got from the lyrics. It matches so mm-hmm. well, like the ideal um, of fame versus the tension of it not maybe going as you wanted or the sadness of it, the scrutiny of it. So mm-hmm. there's definitely that, that bittersweet um, tension, I think. Well, let's take a listen to it and then we'll talk a bit more. She's a question mark You make up any answer Type it up Put her picture on the screen If the truth be told The truth is sold as mystery Once it's fluffed and full Hyped beyond extreme In the public eye You don't wear an umbrella the world of unimagined scrutiny And it's true her defense rests in equal measure Of a worthless, vindictive mockery If you ask her what it's like, you'll leave her crying Empty promise of a life that's like a dream Still she won't know what to say So please stop trying It only makes her lose her way She's just 19 19 19 She's just 19 She's no right to shame, regret, or indignation the attention what she begs for, craves the fame. Solid platinum on her wall since she was 16. So ungrateful for it all, her pain. sunlight on the sand They pay millions for a personal indiscretion Captured in these top-notch lenses of Japan Of Japan Of Japan Lenses of Japan In the public eye you don't wear It's a world of unimagined scrutiny And it's true her defense rests in equal measure Of a worthless, vindictive mockery So when you see her at that check stand growing older When you comment on the ugly price of fame 
that crazy, trashy bleach out, turning 30. Rest assured, she's got just herself to blame. Self to blame. Self to blame. Just herself to blame. Really neat. Great song. What'd you think, uh, Sherry? Yeah, it's um, it really feels like poetry, and yeah, the lyrics being a very big focus of it, um, and this kind of nostalgic classical vibe with the Molly, it really paints a picture. Um, in my head, I really love the first line: "She's a question mark. You make up any answer." I think that, yeah, just pulls you in with this really cool, mysterious line and captures the the theme of the song. Um, yeah, I'm curious about the ending, the, the way that uh, the lyrics end, that she's just got herself to blame. Um, what was the inspiration behind that ending, and how did you come upon that? Well, it's, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I don't know if I, it's not ironic, it's um, accusatory, basically. You know, it's, you know, because it, 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 it shifts, you know, the, the person, it shifts from she and that, and sometimes it's you. So at the end, it's, you know, so when you see her at the check stand growing older, when you comment on the ugly price of fame, on that crazy trashy speech out turning 30, rest assured she's got just herself to blame. But really, that's not the truth, because there you are, you know, mm -hmm. laughing and, and and scorning, you know, this, this girl. And um, it's really interesting, because I said just a few moments ago that I could not remember, you know, what, what my inspiration was to to write the song and i just remembered it listening to it oh. with you two and it's 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 the line at the end of the chorus where um and it's true her defense rests in equal measure of a worthless vindictive mockery and i just got so tired i got so tired of seeing these young girls be so exploited for defending themselves like they would do these outrageous acts like cut off all their hair or you know get into some scrape or some some ridiculousness and yet to me it was such it was you know these what's the word you know these rags you know what are the, the check stand newspapers you know and the 24-hour news cycle that have to fill it up with celebrity gossip and all of that it's like and you know, they have all the power. They have that entire media power machine, you know, against uh, a 17-year-old girl or a 19-year-old girl. And what's she going to do? I mean, really, what is her defense? Mm -hmm. And so I would have to say at the end of the day, I think I wrote this song in defense of these very young, very vulnerable, very talented young women. And that's what the song's about. Yeah, it's great. It really felt almost... Um... I know it's not qu uh, quite an apt uh, comparison, but it, it made me think of, you know, some of the beat poets of, um, mm. you know, because you have the sort, of, the sort of jazz background and, and you know, uh, sort of a bit of talk singing um, throughout, which is, uh, which is really cool. And, yeah, it is so lyric. It's such a lyric forward song versus something that has, you know, just, you know, a few words and then lots of repetition and, and that kind of thing. And... Um, 
Yeah, it's 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 quite a it's quite a neat little song, and it's also an interesting um, subject because there's a lot I've noticed in the last I don't know ten years that most of songs are about me, not me personally, but it's from me. It's it's I and me, what you have done with me. Um, and in comparison to some of the the older classic songs, like from the you know Great American Songbook, or um, even in the '70s, where people you know, uh, Midnight Train to Georgia, where it's, you know it's someone talking about someone else, um, or talking about a situation, or you know, um, and, and it's kind of nice to to not have something that's just about me and. That it's it's sort of a bigger subject. It's it's an interesting um, thing to take on, and I have to admit I don't know if it's something that I could take on. But it's interesting to, and kind of nice to hear um, someone else uh, uh, do that. And um, yeah, your rhymes are really um, always tight. You know, sunlight in the sand, uh, top-notch lenses of Japan, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, yeah, you know, scrutiny, mockery. Um, the um, ABA um, rhyme schemes, which you know, I think always work. It's a classic, mm -hmm. but it um, it works, and it works for you know, works for Sting. So seems to be doing. Although I think he actually is more of an AA guy, but uh, yeah, he is. So, uh, Tom, what um, what's your plan on this uh, for this song? What are you going to be doing with it? Uh. Well, I've got. I'm, I'm finishing up one one more track, and then I'm uh, I'm putting I'm putting this into an EP with with four of the tracks that I that are recorded with the same musicians. All five of these tracks, for the most part, the rhythm and and horn, um, and key. Yeah, because it bounces around a little bit. But um, and then uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's certainly not a hit song, <laughs> but it. I just I do think it. I, I think it. I, I think it says something that you don't hear you know, a lot about. And I, I think, um, uh, so I, um, I'm probably going to be singing this tonight. <laughs> uh, and, um, but I've got, I, I, I have, I have a ton of songs. I have so much music and these are just the first five that I've been able to like, finally like get recorded and get released. And I've got another, I've got four songs that are love songs and they're, so I'm, I've got an EP I'm going to put out called Complicated Love Songs because they're not, you know, they're not, you know, I, they're not an I, me song. A couple, one of them is, but, uh, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think one of the biggest revelations I've had and what I hear the most is I just heard from you, Phil, is that, you know, it's really poetry. I really write poetry and then I think I use music as a vehicle to, to get it out there because nobody's going to open a poetry book these days. <laughs> true. So I think, I think I, I, I think I'm, a, I know, I know that I'm a writer first. I've always been a writer first. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a surprising tickle to me too, to find out at my age, at this point in my life that I'm something of a poet. Um, Cause it, I was just, I was just, I've written plays and screenplays and um, for ages and, uh, and, uh, so I, I finally got to the point where I'd picked up my guitar again 15 years ago and all that writing just instantly went into songwriting. So I've got a big catalog of compositions that I'm slowly, you know, turning into sound recordings. And, 
and um, so it's, I'm just, I just, yeah, I'm just, I just like, I just want to, I'm just here, I'm just here, I'm sharing my writing. This is the, this is, this is the way for me to do it just at this point in time. Is what I'm doing with it. So <laughs> that is awesome. Well, I think I hear the band. I think that means the band wants to go home. So that's all the time we have here on Song Talk Radio. Tom, where can people uh, go to get more of you? Uh, GovernorTomMusic.com um, is the best place to go. It's, um, and then if you're on any of the socials, it might be under the music of Tom Wood, which is my real name, um, because using Governor gets me into a lot of trouble with the censorship algorithms that Facebook employs and stuff. Really? Um, but yeah, so Governor Tom Music. Yeah, all my, every, anything I try to do on Facebook gets rejected because of the word governor. Because um, oh, I'm, I'm, I can't even talk about that. Let's not talk about that. Okay, that's true. <laughs> GovernorTomMusic.com. All right. Don't forget, we love to hear from you on any subject, even about um, using governor in your name. So and, uh, send us an email at feedback at songtalk.ca. You can find uh, the links to all the products, books, and whatnot we talk about here on the show on the resources page at songtalk.ca slash resources. And no matter if you're in Toronto or around the world, why not join us for the next Song Talk Radio Songwriters Meetup? It happens online via Zoom and locally in Toronto and soon in St. John's, Newfoundland. It's where you can network with other songwriters and get insightful feedback on your works in progress from other songwriters. It's free to join and free to attend. Stop by the website at songtalk.ca for the link and the info. Tom, what is your favorite social media channel that you're using these days? What is my favorite what? Media, social media channel. Uh, I have to say I'm a big X fan these days because uh, X and Rumble because they're the only ones that don't uh, censor, um, that don't violate people's First Amendment rights. So, All right. Um, yeah. Okay. And Sherry, where can we get more of you? Um, SherryJacoby.com or SherryJacobyMusic on Instagram and Facebook. Could you spell the last uh, for the um, audience? My last name? Well, it's S-H-E-R-R-Y. Uh, yes, S-H-E-R-R-Y-J-A-C-O-B-Y. Great. And you can get more of Neil um, at NeilMody.com and more of me at PhilEmery.ca. And stop by the website at songtalk.ca to browse past shows, find those great resources we talked about, and find out how you could be a guest on the show. Thanks for listening, everyone, and keep on writing. Good night. <laughs>